following is a class given by His Holiness Jayapataka Swami Maharaj on December 30th, 2007 in Melbourne, Australia. The class begins with a reading from the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 10, verse 9. This is Sanskrit uh, words, uh, poetry that was spoken by Krishna 5,000 years ago. I'll give the translation after. Machita madgata prana, bodayanta parasparam, katayantas chamam nityam, tushanti charamanticha. Welcome to come in. Take your shoes off, please. Someone help them, I guess. The thoughts of my pure devotees dwell in me. This is the translation. This is what that Sanskrit verse, uh, Sanskrit is a language, that's what that verse uh, means. The thoughts of my pure devotees dwell in me. Their lives are fully devoted to my service. They derive great satisfaction and bliss from always enlightening one another and conversing about me. Purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. This verse was translated by Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. He's my master. He's the founder and spiritual founding spiritual master of ISKCON. And he also wrote a a commentary called a purport because he doesn't want to just give his own ideas but rather he's explaining the ideas that are naturally there in the in the verse his purport is hmm. pure devotees whose characteristics are mentioned here 
engage themselves fully in the transcendental loving service of the Lord. Their minds cannot be diverted from the lotus feet of Krishna. Their talks are solely on the transcendental excuse me, subjects. The symptoms of the pure devotees are described in this verse specifically. Devotees of the Supreme Lord are 24 hours daily engaged in glorifying the qualities and pastimes of the Supreme Lord. Their hearts and souls are constantly submerged in Krishna and they take pleasure in discussing Him with other devotees. In the preliminary stage of devotional service, they relish the transcendental pleasure from the service itself. And in the mature stage, they're actually situated in love of God. One situated in that transcendental position, they can relish the highest perfection which is exhibited by the Lord in His abode. Lord Chaitanya likes transcendental devotional service, or rather likens transcendental devotional service to the sowing of a seed in the heart of the living entity. There are innumerable living entities traveling throughout the different planets of the universe and out of them there are a few who are fortunate enough to meet a pure devotee and get the chance to understand devotional service. This devotional service is just like a seed. And if it is sown in the heart of a living entity, and if he goes on hearing and chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. That seed fructifies. Just as the seed of a tree fructifies with regular watering. The spiritual plan of devotional service gradually grows and grows until it penetrates the covering of the material universe and enters into the Brahma Jyoti effulgence in the spiritual sky. So there's uh, the material universe, there's a whole spiritual sky which is covered with spiritual light. Like here we have sunlight, and then moonlight, and then the spiritual world, they have spiritual light, which is called Brahma Jyoti, or the effulgence of uh, spiritual effulgence. So that doesn't, uh, not, it's actually even here, it's visible, but we, we don't see it because it's a covering of material energy that blocks it from our vision. Just like clouds block some of the rays from our vision, but we can still get a sunburn, we can still get affected by UV gets through. So something's getting through, but we're not able to see it. Liberated souls can see that effulgence, even in a material world. But as conditioned souls, we can't see it, because we're covered by the cloud of material energy. But when we do our devotional service, probably explaining that the plant grows and grows and penetrates that cloud covering, just like when you fly in an airplane, everything looks 
covered with clouds, so when you go up a certain height, then you can see that above there's the sun, there's there's clouds, but from the they're down now. Now we're up and it's a clear open sky. So wouldn't it be nice to get beyond this material covering and get to the open, clear light where the free spirit can be? How many would like to be in the area where the spirit can be completely free? Haribo, anybody? Okay, just checking if I'm in the right place. So we're going reading Prabhupada's purport here, just so in case somebody getting lost here. It's pretty technical. This is really high stuff, uh, high technical. Uh, I mean, you can get higher than this too, but I mean, this is pretty... If anybody, anybody here for the first time? Anybody new? Okay, one here, two, three, four. You're here the first time? You've been here before. Okay, left for those, we got about four uh, first-time visitors. Let's give them a big welcome, a big Hari Bol. Hari Bol! Hari Bol! Hari Bol! I hope some of our devotees will take a special uh, care to be especially friendly with them, guide them, you know, where to go for the feast afterwards so they don't get lost. So there's this magic word they say, Maha Prashad is served. That's the Indian word for feast. And everyone that's been here knows Mahaprasad means feast, so they run out the door, but for someone who's never been here, don't know what Mahaprasad means, then they just wonder, pooh, where did everybody go? And they're standing, once I, I, I found someone standing, and so I'm here for the first time, I think they'd be at the back of the line. So you should probably put them in the front of the line, make it easy for them, don't guide them through. Actually in a Chopati, Radhanath Swami's temple, I heard that when they... When they have new visitors, they give them a gift pack. They have a whole gift pack and a welcoming program. Then that's another topic. They're pretty organized. Okay, so now this creeper. Our, we we are watering our plant here. We're we're chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And then uh, actually, there's some open. Gaps here, we can kind of move in if you, because there's new people going to be coming all along, and it'll be harder for them to walk through all of you. Thanks a lot, appreciate your. So we're chanting, and we're like a gardener who's watering our plant. This plant is actually our devotional service, which is our bhakti yoga development is growing as we are watering the plant. And so now that plant has grown and crossed through the cloud of material nature, got into the free light of the spiritual world, and it's going on, it's continuing to grow up. Let's see where it goes here. In the spiritual sky also that plant grows more and more until it reaches the highest planet, which is called Goloka Vrindavana, the supreme planet of Krishna. Ultimately, the planet takes shelter under the lotus feet of Krishna and rests there. So this is like a creeper. It gets to the lotus feet of Krishna, wraps around Krishna's lotus feet. Krishna's lotus feet are said to be the ultimate shelter for the devotees. By getting his lotus feet, we call lotus feet because they're not like ordinary feet. We got maybe stinky feet or ordinary feet or... We have good smelling feet, but Krishna's feet are something very special. 
Because Krishna's body is not different. His feet or his hand, everything has got all the way. He can see from his feet. He can, he can speak from his hand if he wants to. He has a spiritual body. So we can't limit it to anything that we have. But of course normally he'd probably speak from his mouth just to make it easy for us to relate with it. But otherwise he can do anything with any of his senses. So his feet can give us full shelter. They can give us full blessings. So normally the lotus feet give us uh, blessings. That's where devotees focus on. Because that tends to be a little humble on our part. We look to the feet. So then uh, he get more blessings. So this is what's uh, happening. We take shelter. This plant takes the shelter of the lotus feet of Krishna and rests there. Gradually, as a plant grows fruits and flowers, the plant of devotional service also produces fruits. And the watering process in the form of chanting and hearing goes on. So we keep watering and then the flowers come out. Flowers turn into little fruits. So all these are different levels of devotional service. The flowers are considered to be the ecstatic love of Godhead. There's different levels of devotional service. So one of the levels, the, the highest level we reach normally in the material world before we get full realization is called ecstatic love or bhava. When we have that kind of ecstatic love for Krishna, then when we chant Krishna's names, tears of love can flow from our eyes. Welcome to come in. There's no admission, it's okay to come in. Maybe somebody at the door could help the people come in, you know, just so I don't have to interrupt the class. I cannot, you know, somebody's looking around, what do I do, where do I go? So, where were we? That love of Godhead, the bhava, ecstatic love of Godhead. Our hairs may stand on end. Then also, ecstatic love of Godhead, hair standing on end. Voice sometimes get choked up with emotion. Different kind of aid they call ashtasatika bhava. It's a technical Sanskrit word. It means eight ecstatic symptoms of love. And these are highest happiness, profound, deep, loving emotion for God that anyone can feel in this material world more than any other kind of happiness. When people try to get happy with so many things, they don't have to elaborate that, but people do things just for an adrenaline rush, on a roller coaster, just think together, but a minute, about a few seconds of happy. This is, puts all that to shame. There's nothing, you know, that's just so superficial. All these different things that people do to get happy. This is touching the soul. This is very deep, profound, spiritual ecstasy which brings you in direct communion with the Supreme Spirit. This is an eternal hat. Once you taste that, then everything else uh, is brought into perspective. You realize how you've been wasting your life uh, just going after very superficial things. 
or the real happiness we're looking for is this ecstatic love. And that ecstatic love isn't the end of everything. There's, when, when it, that's the flower. But that's something we can, someone could even achieve that in, in, in weeks or months, days. Usually takes years or many lifetimes, but one can get it very quickly. Where to get the fruit, that's a, that could take longer, it could take a little longer. You have to keep watering the plant. The fruit is a pure love, and that love brings with it a total realization of the absolute truth. Lord Chaitanya describes about this uh, ecstatic love in chanting Hare Krishna. He says uh, in his uh, prayer, Radha Krishna Bol 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 Re You know that prayer? It's a little song. It's a very common song. It has a chorus after every verse. Radha Krishna Bol 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 Re Everybody chant Hare Krishna. Chant Hare Radha Krishna is Hare Krishna, same thing. So he says, Krishna bol be jabe, phula kahabe, jorabe aki, bolitai, Krishna bol be jabe, phula kahabe, jorabe aki, bolitai, radha Krishna bolo, bolo, bolo re sobai. Everyone can, radha Krishna bolo, bolo. So chant Radha Krishna, chant Hare Krishna. When you chant the name of Krishna, Pulaka Hare, your hairs will stand on end. Jorabayaki, your eyes will be flowing with tears of love. Krishna, Bolve Jara Pulaka, Jorabayaki, Bolli Thai. So for like this, he chants in ecstasy. Lord Chaitanya. I experienced some of that, maybe just a drop. The very first day I chanted Hare Krishna. First day. Somebody gave me a pair of beads and asked and told me, you go out and chant. Because I used to do yoga, hatha yoga. So I went in my Padma Asana, I sat in the park, put my asana, Padma Asana, looked at a tree, and I chanted for six hours non-stop. I mean, if you're going to do something, do it serious. Says, somebody asked me today, that you know, it's supposed to go deep into the chanting, dive deep like in the ocean. So for six hours, I just chanted Hare Krishna from morning till night. Then it's getting a little dark late. It's not safe in the Golden Gate Park in uh, San Francisco in the night. So many people come out, crazy people, <laughs> robbers and things. So then I went back. And I took, during that chanting, I was feeling so many different things, which I shouldn't talk about but some touching on these areas, <laughs> that I, you know, the very first day, I said, this is the most powerful meditation I've ever experienced. I've been doing the silent meditation, looking at candles, looking at mandalas, doing so many things. You know, little peace of mind, a little buzz, but this was like an avalanche. It was like a tsunami of spiritual happiness. And I was uh, just overwhelmed. I came back, and then this uh, devotee is waiting for me, excuse me, you still have those beads I gave you? He said, yes, I'm sorry, but I accidentally gave you the beads that the founder, the, the master chants on. Can I have those back? I shouldn't have given those. I made a mistake. It wasn't the same the next day. <laughs> Quite. It took me a little while to work up again. But 
That was a big boost. So Prabhupada gave me some mercy there. But definitely in the chanting of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. You get this profound experiences because we'll explain that later. Let me finish Prabhupada's purport here. So this is called watering the plant. But definitely, if you try to go deep in this chanting and follow this process as given in this verse, you will experience everything that's uh, being predicted here in its due course. So gradually as the plant grows fruits and flowers, the plant of devotional service also produces fruit. And the watering process is the form of chanting and hearing goes on. This plan of devotional service is fully described in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, that's another book, Madhya Leela, that's a section of the book, chapter 19. There's three sections, Adi, Antya, Adi Madhya and Antya Leelas. Oh, this is the middle section, chapter 19. Shouldn't be too hard to find. We got there in the bookshelf. You can get a more detailed explanation. It is explained that there, explained there, that when the complete plan takes shelter on the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord, one becomes fully absorbed in love of God. Then he cannot live even for a moment without being in contact with the Supreme Lord, just as a fish cannot live without water. In such a state, the devotee actually attains the transcendental qualities in contact with the Supreme Lord. The Srimad Bhagavatam is also full of such narrations about the relationship between the Supreme Lord and His devotees. Therefore, the Srimad Bhagavatam is very dear to His devotees. That's another book, Srimad Bhagavatam. I know there's a lot of Sanskrit words. It's uh, the book which is uh, a history about different incarnations of Krishna, different incarnations of Vishnu. Vishnu is the form of Krishna in the material world. And as it says here, it's very dear to the devotees. In the Bhagavatam itself, 12, 13, 18, it states, I'm going to quote a verse now, don't get lost because it's a Sanskrit verses. I know you won't understand the word. Srimad Bhagavatam Puranam Amalam Yat Vaishnavanam Priyam in this material, in this narration, there is nothing about material activities, economic development, sense gratification, or liberation. Srimad Bhagavatam is the only narration in which the transcendental nature of the Supreme Lord and His devotees is fully described. Thus, the realized souls in Krishna consciousness take continual pleasure in hearing about and hearing such. Transcendental literature, just as a young boy and girl take pleasure in association. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta translation and purport to the 10th chapter and the 10th chapter, 9th verse of Bhagavad Gita as it is. So here this verse, which is saying this is the uh, the history, the Srimad Bhagavatam. We're getting a recommend, a lot of things, a lot of different things covered here. We could speak for a few hours on this, but we only got about 20 minutes max, maybe, before your feast starts. So, <clears throat> this Srimad Bhagavatam, as I said, it's a history. 
simply telling about transcendental activities, transcendental people, people from different uh, times in this universe who have spiritually are fully developed, who have achieved, showed how they achieve their development, how they achieve their God realization. It was a very interesting book. Every morning we read this book. About 7.30, what time? 7.30 to 8.30. So in case you're free any morning, don't live too far away, come in the morning and catch the Srimad Bhagavatam class. If you're not able to come, you can get tapes of Srimad Bhagavatam and while you're taking your bathing or cooking or whatever you do, you can also play it and listen. Or you can get a whole set and keep it in your house and you can read the Srimad Bhagavatam little bit by little bit and dip into the nectar. And this way, it says actually this book is so sacred that it's the literary incarnation of Krishna. It just talks about Krishna and his different incarnations so that you keep the book in your house. Angels and devas from the heavenly planets, they come down every day, visit your house and pay their obeisances to the book. When they make their rounds, they'll have to stop at that house. That he has the Srimad Bhagavatam in the house. She has in the house. So if you want angels and devas and saintly personnel to visit your house, you won't maybe see them maybe, but uh, you can just have a Srimad Bhagavatam there. But better if you read it also. <laughs> so... There we go. So we completed this verse. This verse is an amazing verse. This is so amazing. Let me... I talked about pure devotees who are always thinking about Krishna, talking about Krishna, deriving satisfaction, bliss, enlightening one another. So one thing is that why this is so is because by nature we are all spiritual. Like earlier in the Bhagavad Gita explains that we have we have a physical body and the physical body is inhabited by a subtle body, an astral body, psychic, whatever you want to intellectual, it's a subtle body, but that the real living force which is in the body, we're all alive. We are not just uh, a bunch of chemicals. Some uh, scientists then uh, did a study that we are worth about two dollars and twenty cents of chemicals. If you, you know, so many sulfur and chloride and a few things, a little bit of mercury is in there somewhere. If you melt this all down, put a refinery that takes all the value from the human body, you get about two dollars and twenty cents. I guess that nobody's. It's not a very good business. <laughs> That's not who we are. That's a very superficial covering. Just like some of you today are wearing a t-shirt, some are wearing polos, somebody wearing saris. You're not. I'm not going to walk up to Mr. Polo, Mr. T-shirt, Mr. You know, white shirt. That's not who you are. You're the person inside. Similarly, the bodies that you're. Here in some may have an Indian body or a Sri Lankan body or a Asian or a Australian or a European or whatever kind of body you might have. 
That's your covering. And you are the living force in the body that makes the body alive. So the living force is something that we generally neglect. When there's a car accident, and say your brother's in the car, and he's driving a $50,000 car, maybe Mercedes-Benz or something. So when the car crash happens, you may be following behind. Are you going to rush to save the car or save your brother? You see, so obviously human life is worth a lot. You can't put a price on it. But why? Because human life is a, a life that we can actually spiritually fully develop. So the most valuable thing we have is our self, our spiritual self. Some people feel, okay, some people discuss it in the different uh, perspectives on religion. You know, I am so and so and I have a soul. You are the soul. The Vedic position is you are the soul. You have a gross body, you have a, a, a visible external body, you have a subtle astral body. You are the living force, you are the soul. And what was being discussed in this verse today is about the development of yourself. How many of you would like to develop? You say, okay, very good. So this verse is about how we can develop as individuals. We can do it together, we can help each other. That's what it says that these devotees, the process of yoga we follow, which is called bhakti yoga, Let's see if that word was used here in the verse. Well, not exactly, but Matchita. Uh, they think of me, Madgata Prana, their lives are oriented around me. Bodayanta, Parasvyan, they share their realizations. Kotayantas, Chamamnitya, they talk about me eternally. Tushanticha, Ramanticha. Little Sanskrit, I know, but not so much. That basically, they're very happy, tushanti, fully satisfied, romanti, they're in bliss. So when we talk about the Supreme Self, we're all, the individual selves are all coming from the Supreme Self. So when we talk about the Supreme Self, we individually develop. We start to understand our position in the universe, our position in relation with God, our position in relation with each other. And we spiritually, by the more we talk about the Supreme Self, we get some of His qualities, we get some of His energy, force, everything comes to us. It's a very easy transfer, just by discussing. You are sitting here today, you're discussing, you're hearing, so it says hearing and speaking. So I am doing the speaking today, but we'll give you a chance to ask some questions. But you're hearing, hearing is part of the process. I wouldn't be here speaking if you weren't here listening. So it's a cooperation. And I hope you're feeling bliss also. Okay, great. So, as we go deeper into things, because Krishna's also his pastimes are very interesting. His different incarnations. Like when we were, we were traveling uh, earlier this year, we went on a, what do you call it, a safari. Every year I take 150, 200. This year we had 215 devotees to different parts of 
of the Indian, uh, South Indian subcontinent. Sometimes we go to Nepal, the Himalayas. Sometimes we go on the boats uh, on the Ganges. Sometimes we went to Vrindavan. Sometimes we went up to Ganges to Rishikesh and Hardwar and uh, Deva Prayag were different holy places. We went even whitewater rafting down the Ganges. It was voluntary at your own risk as the younger ones did it. I don't know how they talked me into it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, no so then uh, this last year we went to South India. And uh, so next year we're planning to go to Bangladesh. That right now it happens to be very peaceful there under under uh, kind of a caretaker government has uh, made everything pretty peaceful. We're just doing the final feasibility studies, but if that doesn't work out, we'll go up into the mountains, into the Himalayas somewhere. But uh, we'll see. Right now it looks like uh, Bangladesh. But anyway, so this year we went to South India. South India is, how many here are from South India? See, we got we have a lot of uh, South Indian devotees here, here working in the... As doctors, as uh, as uh, engineers, and different uh, important tasks here in Australia. So we went to all the four states: Andhra Pradesh, uh, Tamil Nadu, Kerala, and Karnataka. These are the four states in the south of India. And there's 108 very special temples designated by the Alwars, great saints of uh, the Sri Sampradaya. And those are called Dibya Deshas. So as we were traveling around, each Dibya Desha has a, has a, a, a deity, a temple with a deity in it, and gave some pastime about the, uh, about the deity. Or some pastime happened there, and later the devotees asked the Lord to be present as the deity, and He manifested the deity. Like one of the, the most famous... Uh, well, one of the most famous, maybe the top three in South India is uh, the uh, the temple of Sri Ranganath. I've been there many times. We've been uh, for six years ago. We took another group who happened to be there. Went after three, four months. They had fixed up the whole temple and they're opening it for the first time. And we took all the devotees to this door called the Vaikuntha doorway. Like Kunta Dwara. You take them through that door, it's only open on certain days in the in the year, one day in Vaikuntha Kadasi and some other rare occasions. And I personally went I took them to in two batches, so I went through twice. <laughs> <laughs> Side benefits, their perks of the work, yeah. But everybody went through, so that means they're all gonna go back to Godhead. This a very beautiful day, lying down of Krishna and Ananta Sesha. And then we found that the history of this deity. I knew the history that the deity was with Lord Ramachandra. And Ramachandra gave the deity Vibhishana to take back to Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka was going to get the blessing of having Lord Ranganath there. But on the way the, between the Ganesh and the sages, they did a little fast trick and uh, somehow... Divishana let Lord Ranganath down in the island of Ranga, Sri Ranga, was in the middle of the Kaveri River, and therefore uh, he didn't move from there. But then he was pushed to the position that he's always looking at Lanka. 
He gave his blessings to Lanka. So, they get the blessings. I heard that. I mean, but then, this time, we, went, we actually bought, we had a book, because we had to see how many Divya dashes we covered. We went to about 30. We couldn't get all 108, but it was such a big group. But we went to about, So when we looked, they found out that actually the ancient, even before that, how did Ram get that book? Get that deity? That Brahma, the original personality in the universe, who's, who's given birth by Vishnu, he wanted to worship a deity of Krishna. So he prayed to Krishna to get a deity. And from the a, a spiritual ocean there in the upper areas, the Kira Dakshay ocean, this deity came out. And this deity was worshipped in Satya Loka, in the top planet of the universe. A planet where people live so long that we, we can't even calculate. Well, you can't, your calculator won't even calculate. It's so long. It'll go off the, num- the number screen. You don't have enough digits unless you have a special scientific one. So, that deity was there and that part that he was gradually handed down, gone to the sun god, came to Manu, sun god, came to Ishwaku. Ishwaku was the Surya Vansa, the, 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 the royal dynasty coming from the sun on which Lord Ram appeared and then gradually handed down till Ram got it. So wow, that was, that's a pretty old deity to come from another planet, from the highest planet. Self-manifested. Nobody carved it. Very beautiful deity. So if you'd like to come around, we go every day after the Gorpurnima, you come to Mayapur for Gorpurnima festival. It's usually sometime in the early March or, or in the end of uh, April, uh, February. Then we go for three weeks. You can go... One week, two weeks, or three weeks. We go for three weeks, touring around and uh, visiting different holy places. Kind of a Discovery Channel life, you're there. But a spiritual association. We also do some preaching. We, we, tell, we, we let other people know about our society's work in different parts of the world, with drama, dancing, and different things. But apart from that, anyway, just to say that there's so much to discuss, so much to hear about. Krishna's pastimes is so interesting that the whole day we would spend going around visiting these different historical sites, talking about things that Krishna did there 5,000 years ago, Ram did there millions of years ago. And, and like, it is so interesting. Then taking some holy dip in the, in the Kaveri River or in the ocean at Rameshwaram or something, this, uh, or the Tamra Pani, or having the darshan of... Uh, the Diri and Tiru uh, Varantapuram that are uh, Padmanabhaji or in Udipi in Karnataka, the Krishna Diri or in Andhra we have our own temples we have we go to Tirupati of course we go to Singhachalam and Vaisag and different places so there's so much so many temples, so many pastimes there's one deity in Andhra Pradesh called uh, Pananarasimha. You pour an offering of gore, of molasses and water in his mouth and he drinks, swirls around a little bit and he spits it out and puts it back in the in your conch shell and gives you the remnant. You can drink that. 
How many like to have a taste of that? Supreme Lord uh, remnants. So it's all optional, of course. I think, but we drink it. It's great. So uh, it's called Charnamrita. So like that, there's so much to discuss about, and so many books here that like. There's a mini library there, just in case you come here, want to sit down one day, pick up a book and read. In the temple, you're welcome to read. Please put the book back after you're finished. But if you want to get a book to take home with you, they also, where's that available? Upstairs is a shop when you go. So you did read about, that's another way of discussing, all made easy. You can read about Krishna, or you can discuss with your husband, with your child. Read the Krishna books, great stories about Krishna, to read, to put your children to bed at night. And all this kind of spiritual discussion is watering the creeper of your devotional service. So anyway, that's the purport today. Tomorrow morning, at the time of the Bhagavatam class, I think we'll be having initiation. And uh, you're welcome to come there. If anybody has a question now, just uh, up for one or two short questions, then I'll release you for the feast. We try to be... Yes, sir. What's your name? Ankur. Well, Lord Chaitanya came in Kali Yuga. He has a spiritual body, he can do anything with his body, but he showed to the people, like they would see uh, uh, some material body. When Krishna comes, his body may look very beautiful, and never sees it, but you don't see his original spiritual body exactly. Just to see that, you need to awaken your spiritual senses. That happens when your creeper grows up to the edge and out of the material universe and take shelter of Krishna, then you get the vision, you you develop your spiritual body. Right now it's dormant, it's like a little seed. And in a seed form, you're the living force in every body, because you don't need your spiritual body unless you're going to interchange activities with Krishna. As you go on hearing about Krishna, and you develop a desire that I want to serve Krishna, I want to be with Krishna, then you develop your spiritual body. And then, now... Lord Chaitanya had a spiritual body, but when Krishna comes to his pastime, he doesn't. He, he shows himself in some visible form. It's not the same thing that the devotees see when he's in the spiritual world. It'll be even more beautiful, more brilliant. But when, even when you see Krishna like that, there's nobody in the planet that was more beautiful, more uh, charismatic. Krishna, charismatic, probably comes from the word Krishna. Very charismatic, most charismatic. One last question. Yes? Right, well, for those souls who uh, have done a lot of uh, misdeeds, bad karmas, he sends his policemen called Yamadutas, messengers of the king of death. He comes and they drag us out of our gross body, drag the atma is inside the subtle body, 
take us to Him. He kind of gives us a little review of what we did wrong this life, what we're going to get as a result for that, what our next birth will be, and then He sends us on to the next birth. You see, so there's a bit of a judicial process there. Now if you are wearing this kind of tila, this uh, kuntis and tila, and chanting Hare Krishna, then you're directly under Krishna's protection. And the Yamadutas, it's like the dog catchers don't go for the dogs with the colors. So where's your color? You got it? <laughs> so if you put on a Krishna color, and you say, okay, I'm surrendering to you Krishna, I want to be under your care, I don't want to see Yamaraj or Yamadutas like that, I want you to be under your care and I'll be serving you. Whatever I can do, gradually. So then uh, they, when they see that, the Tulsi Malas, then they have the, they got the hands-off order. In a few cases they didn't know about the order and they tried to arrest uh, the devotee at the time of death, but usually the Vishnu Dutas come to take them back to Godhead. And some places that describes in the Puranas there was a fight between the yeah, messengers of uh, death and the messengers of light, of liberation, of uh, Vishnu. And there's no question about who won. <laughs> the Vishnu Dutas won and the Yama Dutas were sadly uh, beaten. So because uh, then they were scolded by their master that he didn't know you're not supposed to go after Vishnu devotees because they're under his protection. We just deal with the people who are liars, cheaters, and non-devotees, and people who are hurting other people, hurting themselves uh, causelessly. We don't... People that are doing good things like discussing God in together, like this verse. Those people that follow this verse, they get an immunization. They, they'll get a, another chance. But, so you're, it's your choice, of course, you, what you want to discuss about. How many would like to discuss about Krishna and be under his protection? That's pretty good. Thank you very much.